Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I was able to sound the siren for you guys oh, in a again. victory. Here we you know go what I'm again. saying? Uh, last season. It's Wes, and so I was told that right. the spots are full for this year, and so we need the big dog to come through and pull some weight. Get the Wes and Walker right. show up there right. so that because we can sound that long. And Walker. You want to get on that, Siren, and the fact that you brought us the WC, you're in. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. You there we go. Let's go. Wes and Don't Walker sounding the siren. <laughs> that folks we are back you are immersed in the Wesson walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz hour number two let's get right into it man leaving out of the barbershop today as i normally do on thursday mornings getting the old trimmy trim trim and i look down at my phone and i see the alert from bleacher report saying that a teaser for ncaa football 25 is out what was the last one? Oh, what was the last year? Do you remember? 14. Fin- 14. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're going on over a decade at this point. That's crazy. That we're, we've been without this video game for 10 years, and everybody has longed for yeah. those days every single season it goes by. Yeah, man. So I go get in the car, and I, and I look down at it, man, and I just have feelings that just come over me, and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this is really happening. And we get the trailer, we get the nostalgia, we get all of the stuff that you would want from a teaser, and then we get the jersey with the back of it saying it's really happening. And then we see that it is coming this summer, so that's official, and a full reveal will happen in May. So it's not that long from now. They did an excellent job with this servicing the people out there who had been wondering because remember during the college football playoffs, we were supposed to get a preview of what was going to happen and we were supposed to get news and we didn't get any of that. And I like the fact that they recognized that in the trailer to say, Hey, we've heard everything that you guys have been saying. And we just want to let you know that it's on the way. Were you excited by this? And then Fitty, you can go as well, because I know you joined me in almost shedding a tear to just off of the strength of, a great franchise. I have not had a gaming console in a long time. The last one I got, I got a PlayStation 3 pretty immediately when it came out. I was ready for it. So that would have been like, I think, 2008. I only remember because the first game I had for it was NBA Live 08. Gilbert Arena's on the cover, playing that all the time. MLB The Show, Ryan Howard, same thing. Absolutely loved all of it. I played the PlayStation 3 for about, you know, a few years until I went to college and everybody else had the consoles and I didn't love video, you know, video games as much as everybody else. So I would play it whenever I went to Buddy's house and hopped on the sticks. And let me tell you, college football is the only one that I missed more so than like 2K is fun. Love the show. Like had my fun with MLB the show. But the mini games, option attack, rushing attack. Just all of the mini games that they offer, plus college football, just playing against your homeboy. Those were the things that I missed more than any. Like that's, I like that one for college basketball more than 2K and everybody else. Yeah, 
I'm not going to love it as much as you two who plays more video games than I do. And it's not even like you play a ton. But even for me, it hits a little different to see this trailer. Freddie, what were your thoughts? Look, um, maybe I'm going a step too far. <laughs> Already. Uh -uh. I, I, I'm, go ahead. Th th this is going to be like a cultural experience. This will be like when you went to the theaters to see Endgame or when you watched the finale of Game of Thrones. It's going to be... It's not going to be a worldwide phenomenon because college football is just a you know a, a a sport we just have here in North America, but across the United States, man, my system will be in the building the day that the game comes out, and we'll just all take turns. Screw show prep, just screw it. We're going to play the video game. <laughs> oh, Fiddy, I actually really like this idea. Yeah. I didn't even think about this, but yeah. you're telling me that you're bringing your console to the fishbowl. Yes, I'm going to bring the console. We'll have two. We'll have two controllers. Maybe we just set up a tournament that day and just come in wins. at eight or nine o'clock that morning. Yeah. I'll be in. I'll meet you. I'll and, meet you. I'll you know, you. and we just we just duke it out for twelve hours as a station. I'm sorry to the people that listen to this show and want it well prepped and yeah. taken care of. It will be well prepped that yeah. day. There might be a little bit of a stretch where mm, we're we're slacking, <laughs> and I don't want to be like that. But be, this what is was how that it is. again? What happened? Yeah, we can tell you what happened in our game that we played, yeah. not the game that was played the night before, not the real one. But we can tell you what happened against Wesson Walker and Fitty and college football 2025. All right, so be on the lookout for that, Fitty. Cue up the music. Let's officially go into the campus. Kona. All right, last night, man, we've been talking a lot uh, about South Carolina and the season that they've been having. But, man, it didn't go so great last night. 11 Auburn players scored en route to a 101-61 route down there in Alabama. South Carolina just went down there and got obliterated. Michi Johnson led them with 22 points on 8 of 17 shooting. Then you had Colin Murray Boyles that also chipped in 19 points for them. Auburn was led by Jalen Williams, who scored 23 points. And then they had Johnny Broom that scored 21 points uh, on the evening for them as well. Does this make us look at South Carolina any differently? Do we still believe that the Gamecocks can be a problem in March after a drubbing like this? Even with this kind of drubbing, and it was a bad one, when you get beat by 40, it's pretty terrible. At least it was on the road. At least it was against a top 13 opponent, so you're still ranked and you're up there flirting with the top 10 ranking. I'm not going to say this is the reason why I won't have South Carolina going deep into the NCAA tournament. It's a bad loss, no doubt. When you get beat by 40, that is absolutely terrible. I didn't expect them to get beat that much. At the same time, I'm not going to use this to specifically say, oh, okay, now they're not a Final Four team. I can't go that far. But, yeah, South Carolina certainly did not show up last night. Yeah, they've got on their remaining schedule LSU, a trip to Ole Miss, a trip to Texas A&M versus Florida, home for number eight Tennessee and then they finished the season at Mississippi State. Fitty, did you lose any more faith in the Gamecocks last night after that loss? No, because I think we look at South Carolina maybe as a regular season Cinderella, a team that was picked, I believe, to finish last in the SEC all the way up to a number 11 in the polls on the road, the jungle, maybe the second hardest place to go on the road and win in the SEC. And once they got hit in the mouth, they just couldn't recover. They're not built to win games in the 70s and the 80s, let alone when you give up 101 points. So maybe a reality check for South Carolina that has to play 
as, as close to their potential every night out to give themselves a chance to win. Yeah, so we'll see, you know, what happens with the Gamecocks. And I think this is when you just got to wash away, man. Don't even look at the tape. You lose by 40. What is there to look at? I mean, everybody on that bench for Auburn got a turn to get in there and get a bucket against the Gamecocks. But Walker Mail, your team, the Charlotte 49ers, have some fish to fry tonight as they will take on UTSA. This game will be the 13th meeting between the two schools. The Niners previously defeated the Roadrunner 66-58 in San Antonio on January 13th. They are 9-2 in the American. I'm talking about the 49ers. They're second in the league, a game back of South Florida. 10-1 at Halton Arena, 32-9 at home over the past three seasons. Thursday is the first of a two-game homestand for the Niners. On Sunday, they will host Wichita State. And that will be nationally televised on ESPNU. Walker, do you have any reason to think that the 49ers don't get the job done? They're huge favorites. They're at home. They're against a team. They're playing against a team that's only 2-9 and nine in conference play. So even if you play a team like Temple and you struggle to beat them when they are at the very bottom of the conference, it's on the road. And what's been the theme of this college basketball season? It's really hard to win when it's not on your home court. This one is at Halton, and they're 12.5-point favorites. So I think Charlotte is going to be able to get the job done here. Plus, just a little wrinkle to this one. This is the first game Aaron Fern will coach as the official head coach. No interim tag with the Charlotte 49ers. I believe that's true after being named the official head coach a couple of days ago. So that was February 12th when that news broke. And here he is coaching his first game since then. So that will be cool. I'm interested to see what the Halton reception is going to be like when Charlotte takes the court. You know it's going to be rocking again, man. Maybe not as much as it was when we had Fernville out there watching them play against ECU. But there's a real reason to go out there and watch good Charlotte 49er basketball basketball take advantage of this last thing i'll say i'm tired of charlotte and it's only been the last two games but i'm already tired of it now i've lived long enough to see myself become the demanding monster that i am the last two games i need charlotte to stop relinquishing these big leads because they lost one against a good team because of it and they allowed temple to hang around because they relinquished one of the big leads that they had going in let's get out in front win by double digits and and keep it that way majority of the second half that would make me feel a lot better all right also ab state is at home for a matchup with marshall they were among teams receiving votes in this week's usa today coaches poll marking the third straight week that ab state has been featured in a national poll uh they're jumping back into sunbelt play they enter thursday's meeting with marshall at 10 and 2 at conference play they're one of just 26 teams in Division One that has at least 10 conference wins. Additionally, the Mountaineers' is 10 and 2 start is the best 12-game start in conference play this century and best start since the 1990-2000 team won 11 of its first 12 Southern Conference games. And I guess just real quick, as we close out the campus corner, which one of these teams that are outside of the ACC that we talk about do we feel like? has the most potential for March. Is it South Carolina? I know that Charlotte, let's just say that Charlotte somehow bounces back, wins the tournament, gets in, uh, Ab State. Do we feel like that there's a team outside of the ACC that could make some real noise like Sweet 16 type of success? Look, I, I love what Charlotte is doing. I still think that they're going to have to win the conference tournament, especially with that loss to South Florida. That was tough, and it, it's just that's the task at hand when you're a mid-major group. You have to be damn near perfect. App State only has five losses 
They lost a couple at the beginning of the season, one to Northern Illinois, one to Oregon State. You lost to Asheville, but remember my guy, Drew Pember. When it's mm-hmm. March, it's Drew Pember season, and so I will be caping for that guy for about two weeks worth of time until they probably get bounced. So this is a team in App State that's been there before. Like, they got to the tournament a couple of years ago. I, I think with the way that Dustin Kearns has built that program to where they've had sustained good quality basketball the last few seasons the Mountaineers are probably my answer just because it's easy to go to the team that's been there a couple years ago I will go with Ab State as well uh, as they entered this game they are they they allowed a seventh lowest opponent field goal percentage in the country allowing just 39 percent against them so they play a really great defense that makes them one of 20 teams with an opponent field goal percentage lower than 40 percent and also they're one of the best rebounding teams in the country uh, they are sixth in the NCAA in rebounds per game. So I think defense and rebounding are two things that's going to help them a lot in the tournament. So App State would also be my pick to be able to make a little bit of noise come March. Rather be golfing, wrote in. Yeah, App State beat Auburn earlier this season, too. Yeah. Monster win, especially with the way we saw them beat down the game. Mr. Guy. College Basketball, what is your choice for a team outside of the ACC that could really do some damage? Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go three for three. I'd go Ab State as well. You got the win at home over Auburn. Auburn could be a team that makes the Final Four this season. Dustin Kearns has been building that program up. They made the tournament a few years ago. I believe they lost in the first four in Dayton. They feel like they're ready for that next step to maybe win a tournament game in advance. And so um, I do think from a team outside the ACC, they're the one that has the biggest chance to make some noise come March. Last thing about App State, great rebounding team. Tied for 10th in the country at 42 rebounds a game. That's remarkable what App State is doing there. All right. Well, when we come back, folks, on the Wes and Walker show, we're going to get back into Panthers position preview. We're talking about edge rushers when we come back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Experiencing one of our minor forms of entertainment daily when Flounder walks into the studio and then he and Fiddy go at it about what they want to have for lunch. It's often real fun for us. Sometimes it gets pretty contentious and sometimes people can just agree on what they want to go eat. How that's about you go right ahead now. and uh, say what you wanted, what, what you offered me to have for lunch? What I offered for yeah, you? Yeah, what did you say I've been asking for lunch there, tough guy? Yeah, huh? go ahead. Yeah, what did you say that during the breaks, uh, Fiddy's been wanting uh, what kind of sandwich? A yeah. knuckle sandwich. Mm-hmm. That's what you're wanting right now. Yeah. Was that pertinent for the radio? Yeah. Like, if, if the job is to try to make the radio show as good as possible, mm-hmm. do you feel like you contributed in a positive way right there? Horrible person. Yeah, because you've been... <laughs> 
I just was talking about what's for lunch is entertaining. Yeah. And I was going to bring it in. And I was going to talk about you planning your entire weekend around college basketball on Saturday. Yeah. You and Flounder were trying to figure out what you wanted to go eat. And I was going to ask you, what games are you interested in looking at this weekend? And, and that's why you were planning your whole Saturday. That's all I was trying to do, man. I just want... But you got real defensive. You wanted to hop on the mic and then ask me something that I clearly couldn't say on the air. If I did that to you, goodness gracious, you wouldn't have a job. That'd yeah. be crazy. Because I would have said it. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you might have. <laughs> Honestly, you might have. That would have been, been real scary. That's why I never press you on too much of that. Because you're right. We would get an FCC violation. And then in this weird hypothetical situation, you getting fired, me asking you the question, it would also be my responsibility. And therefore, I would be culpable as well. I just want to, to give people a behind-the-scenes look at what I deal with every day. And Wes, you can attest to this yesterday. Mm -hmm. We're in the side studio after the show. Y'all recording your promos. We're discussing the, the, the plans for today and then you start talking about how you would that i the, you would hate to see me in a relationship because Who, me i'm or just a, Who are you uh, you, you're like i bet he's just a horrible gaslighter and you just made up all these scenarios it has been non-stop bullying That's and we true. and we went through a program about this about six <laughs> months ago about ma micro and macro aggressions mm -hmm. the last the last week you macro aggression and i'm getting tired of it how is this for a macro aggression the fact that you are more full of BS than anybody that I know. <laughs> Is that a macro aggression? That was clean, so I'm going to drop out of that, so thank you. No, you're welcome. <laughs> this man will stop at nothing. This man was saying that I was the one. Yes, I was definitely talking about some of that stuff in the side studio, but also... Flounder asked me, was I in the room with some of those conversations with his previous significant others? How did I get it to a T? Exactly what Fiddy would say yeah. to some of these people. And then Wes was laughing and also agreeing, nodding his head. I mean, nodding his head vigorously. Yeah. Yes, 100%. So this is, look, look, this is, whose fault is this right now? Whose fault is this? I was going to talk about lunch. This was clearly a food trans uh, transition. And then I was going to get into a college basketball transition. But now I'm a man. Nope. Self-destruct. Press. Well, <laughs> look, Finney used to back down and take and take uh, the verbal abuse. About Big JD. Oh, Panther Bone but, done started it. But Big JD's JD. not here for it. He's going to push back. Big JD. He's going to fight back. No matter what it means for our radio relationship or the show, JD's not putting up with the ish. Livewire with JD can still work. <laughs> but we can't have JD's favorites. Yeah. It's got to be Fitty's favorites. Yep. I'm sorry. Alliteration matters in radio. And I don't want to think of and create all this new imaging for JD's joy. I, <laughs> yeah, JD sounds like you should be telling us about belt buckles and uh, cowboy belts. Old JD. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. I should just have two egos on the show where sometimes I'm Fitty, sometimes I'm JD, and y'all got to figure out which is which. Oh, I like this idea. Yeah, I, I do like that. I, I need to make it, we need to make it different enough. So what would Fitty have to say you know what's hilarious about this <laughs> is that fitty fitty not jd or even josh marlowe but fitty himself is such a wild character that feels like the made-up part of his personality yeah but it's who he is like fitty is the guy that we feel like we should make up man if we what if we just had this crazy guy that like fires everybody all the time that talks about his love life and is just a little cantankerous and wants to go to the foul line. What if we created that character? We don't need to create nothing. His yeah, mom and don't. dad already did that. <laughs> <laughs>
that's that's in the gene pool already man. Yeah, we ain't gotta create is. anything we're creating the other alter ego in jd <laughs> which i would love to see i like that idea i'm just trying to figure out do we can we create a more wild character does it get wilder i know it does off of the mic but fcc regulated character can we create somebody wilder than what fitty already is i just feel like jd is just this he's what fitty really wants to be <laughs> Like JD is this no nonsense, no BS, this, this, you know, this Billy badass guy that just sets the law and mm. everyone follows order. And maybe, maybe you, you listen to your producer more often and I put my foot down and I don't take no for an answer. Well, maybe we should take JD out and JD will probably get some dates. I would love to see yeah, JD, JD date life. JD Marlowe sounds like a guy that, that women might be desiring out here. Maybe I should put that on. We need, we never created the dating profile. Yeah. We should create the dating profile as JD Marlowe. Okay, I'm JD, with that. JD Marlowe gets swiped. I go rights. buy you a belt bucket that got JD on it. Also, JD's got to be bald, right? Yeah, you just need to come Ooh. on home, JD. I don't, you don't think so? Let that beard get thick. Yeah. Oh, no, that thing nice and saying. tight, and then get a, a nice thick beard with it. Okay. JD, we sound, something. Sounds like a page that women would swipe right on. Like what was it? Uh, Steve and Stefan Urkel. That's right. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Is it Lauren or Laura? I always mix it up. Laura. Laura. Yeah. She could not get love some Stefan. Yeah. Stefan. Stefan was like the coolest person. Oh, ever. he was super smooth. When he had the baby face going on his first time, he had made an appearance on the show. Yeah, it was popping. Are we calling Fiddy Steve Urkel and JD <laughs> Stefan Urkel? It's similar. Not quite the same. Not quite the same. Jeff did text us, by the way. Mm-hmm. He said, with this whole JD alter ego thing, just remember, I'm only paying Fitty. This okay. is bull blank. <laughs> I think JD deserves a pay raise, Jeff. Oh, okay. JD definitely in the building right now. <laughs> JD, I, yeah, JD's going to be downstairs at 305. Have a good rest of your day, guys. I'm, I'm a little, I was about to say 305 immediately. We get off the air at 253. It's going to be 254. <laughs> but he's going right down, having that meeting. With one Jeff record. All right, I guess we have enough time. Let's try to do the damn thing. Panther position preview. We continue it. Let's talk about edge rushers today. One of the more interesting positions to evaluate on the Carolina Panthers roster because of the star player they have that I'm not sure they're going to continue to have in Brian Burns. If we break it up in past, present, and future, we focus on the past first. And I want to go back to a move still a lot of Panthers fans can't seem to get over or at least bring up a lot when we discuss the lack of talent at edge rusher. And that is Hassan Reddick leaving in free agency because when they signed him, it was a phenomenal deal. Remember it was a one year. And anytime you sign a one year deal, it's always a prove it deal. I don't know if anybody in the history of talking contracts has said it's a one year, not prove it deal. One year, prove it deal. You always have to say it. So that's what essentially it was after the good year in Arizona, you get one season in Carolina. It was like at six, six and a half million, something like that. Great signing. So now you pair Hassan Reddick alongside Brian Burns. The question was always, oh, okay, good. Hassan as an edge rusher will free up Brian Burns. And now you got to pay attention to both of them. This is when we'll see the double digit sack season from Brian. It was Hassan Reddick who led the team in sacks. And it was actually him benefiting. And then he gets the big old contract, but Carolina could have paid it. Scott Fitter and company, they decide to go all in on the cornerback position, and they pay Dante Jackson. They trade for Stephon Gilmore, remember? Of course, they draft J.C. Horn. They trade for C.J. Henderson. And then you use your money to pay other positions. 
and you let Hassan Reddick walk. Now, even with Hassan being in the news here lately, reportedly asking for a trade out of Philadelphia, he refuted that. All that to say, he's been very good up with the Eagles organization. Does it feel like that move alone set them back at this position, Wes, not signing him long term? Um, yeah, it definitely hurt because you wanted a mate for Brian Burns on the other side to be able to provide that pressure and have a balanced attack as far as getting after the quarterback. Uh, you know, and at the end of the day, he went up to Philadelphia and played around some great talent on top of him possessing great talent that allowed him to have uh, some of the big seasons that he did there. But uh, I can't point to that one seminal move and say, you know, that definitely brought down the Panthers pass rush. Now, would he help? Yeah, sure, he would have. Um, and, you know, maybe the Panthers, you know, no chance that if he was out there on the trade market that the Panthers would do that again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously they've had trouble filling his role since then. So I didn't think it was the biggest thing in the world. But still, when you look at the grand scheme of things, I, I would say it set him back a little bit because you're still trying to find that guy on the other side to provide consistent pass rush opposite Brian Burns. Yeah, it, it should not be a back-breaking move to the point where you can't ever climb out of the depths of those problems. You just have to be able to draft talent at that position or sign the adequate enough guys. And they draft YGM, still not stepping up in that role. They draft uh, the DJ Johnson. DJ Johnson? Yes. DJ Johnson's not doing anything. Not looking like that's going to work out. Yeah, I know. And at we least all, today. And we knew it then. It was like, man, this guy's raw at 25, and you're drafting him to set the edge immediately. I, I'll reference this a lot just because it was certainly noteworthy when he joined Kyle, Scott Fitter, when he joined Kyle after the draft last year. And he said, yeah, we expect DJ to play right now, except he's going to be more of a set the edge guy. And then hopefully we can get him to rush the passer afterwards. Man, they they drafted him because a lot of times you see the athletic freaks have such success at that position. There are a lot of GMs that won't draft an edge rusher that runs slower than a four or five, like that. That's or at least in the first round they just won't do it. So DJ Johnson having that kind of athletic ability, okay, maybe there's something to work with there. But don't you think it would have come together at least a little bit at that point? And it at really least you would have seen some flashes. That's <laughs> something. At something, and they took a shot, and it didn't really work out. Edge rusher, despite needing all this help on offense, just trying to retain your own guys on defense, edge rusher is still a problem whether you have Brian Burns or not. But that's ultimately the first question you have to answer. Are you going to keep Brian Burns? And it's going to be tough to sign him if any if negotiations go any way like they did last year because the reports were – the Carolina Panthers wanted to pay him somewhere around the $24 million a year mark. That was with Samir Suleiman still being the head of capology in the capology department, if you will. And Brian Burns was looking for $30 million. And I don't know how close those negotiations got, but didn't seem to get all that close. We had the weird, like, one, two-day holdout. No, I really am injured. No, okay, I'm, I'm coming back. No holdout during the regular season. Told you after the Atlanta game in the season opener, I'm not missing any games. I'm playing, which is cool. But then, Wes, we hear after the season, Brian Burns tells you, I'm not going to lie. I was a little worried about getting injured. That was in the back of my mind. I'm not telling you that I toned it down a little bit, but that was in the back of my mind. So it's such a mess. I don't want to do this again. Like, I really hope that they can figure out what's going to happen with Brian Burns before we start the season. You're going to have to, right? But franchise tag, that's what's expected. The franchise tag would actually have him make less money at $22 million. That's what it would be. And 
even the low ball offer from Carolina would be twenty four million. How do you expect this to play out with the star edge rusher? Uh, oh, that's tough. All right, so I'm just gonna go ahead and just try to speculate as best I can because that's what we do here. So I'm it feels like say, you have to answer your question about oh, I need to be decisive. Like I just no because it's 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 a whole lot of layers to is. this thing. So I'll say definitely the sign and trade is gonna happen as far as just him signing with the Panthers and then and I guess I'll say sign and trade. I read the article about that that was a possibility. But I do think he's gonna be on the franchise tag. Uh will another team come in there and swoop him away? Man, that that's the whole key to it. That's why I was sitting there trying to think if I had to bet on it today, do I think another team would come in there and get him and do like a sign and trade type of deal? Man uh, okay, I'm going to say he'll be back in Carolina next year. That was excruciating. I'll say that. Yeah, I'll say he's going to be back in Carolina. Uh, I think they may get some inquiries. You know, you may get uh, San Francisco or Baltimore or uh, somebody like that that's coming after him. The Rams could still be a team that could come after him, but I still think a lot of those teams, we know that the the uh, the Rams like to say bleep those picks and some of the other teams too, like the 49ers. But now I they kind of want them. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I think some of those teams, I'm not sure if they are really willing to part uh, with their first round pick, especially when you consider he took a, uh, you know, a backslide, so to speak, on the sacks number went down. Then you see comments like that. And I felt like he was just being honest. I think anybody yeah. in a contract situation like him, they're going to feel like that. So I don't knock him at all saying that he was thinking about that because that's a thought that goes through guys' minds. I'm sorry to the fans out there that want these players to be robots and just go out there and be like, I think about nothing but football and all that. But that was an honest comment. So I don't think teams are going to hold that against him. Uh, I think that they'll flirt with a trade for him. But at the end of the day, I think Burns will be back here in Carolina. Well, and, and by the way, for me, just when I reference those comments that Brian Burns had after the season, it's not because I don't think he should have been feeling them. It's still unfortunate but that clearly has to hold him back at some level, not being able to explode off of the line of scrimmage because you might be worried about pulling a Dre Greenlaw or something like that during a contract year. I totally understand it. It just sucks because this is happening in Carolina and we still don't have the future figured out. That's what's unfortunate. You mentioned the article about the potential sign and trade. Albert Breer was talking about this, and he was discussing it in a potential trade that you could have with T. Higgins, who also might have that franchise tag slapped on him. And here's what Albert Breer was talking about. Quote, I'd say T. Higgins and Brian Burns could be tagged to trade candidates. In Burns's case, it's because he and the Panthers haven't been close on a long-term agreement over the last couple years. And in Higgins' case, it's because the Bengals have a bigger deal for Jamar Chase on the horizon. They already paid Joe Burrow. You're not letting Jamar Chase go. So it's going to be tough to have all that money tied up in three guys on offense, two very good, one elite wide receiver, and what is a great quarterback in Joe Burrow. So maybe that's what you do to help Bryce Young. It makes sense. If you wanted to tag and then trade Brian Burns, and then Cincinnati could try to figure out what they wanted to do with Burns as well. You're still paying a lot of money, though, either way, if you're Cincinnati. Yeah. Like for, for Carolina, you'd be paying less, right? If the, if the projected contract for T. Higgins is... 20 million, something around that mark. That's less than what Brian Burns is asking for. And so it would make more sense for the Panthers to do that. I wonder if you would have to attach a pick to it, maybe even because of the money that you need to equal up. I don't know. It's all about how you value each of these guys. But the Brian Burns T. Higgins thing, everybody's been talking about that quite a bit. Like we had Joe Goodberry on who covers the Bengals and he mentioned it too. But it, 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 
it's really interesting to see how each of those two teams value each of their own players and what they could do in the future. What, what, well, Fiddy, no, you're good. Fiddy has, has been giving me like a, no, I was a puzzled just, look. What are you thinking? Have we ever seen that in the NFL where two players have been tagged and traded? For each other? For yeah, each other? I, don't, I can't think of it at the top yeah, of the head. Thinking outside the box, man, that'd be something like Dan Morgan, you know, like maybe for a guy like you, Wes, that wanted someone to go outside the organization. Maybe that's the type of forward thinking they need that wouldn't have happened. Because I think Fitter were... I don't know. Fitter would probably lose him for nothing because he was just a loser anyway. Yeah, I wonder how hard that well, would be to do though when you got your dad. <laughs> when you got two Sorry, guys man. that are franchised, what the parameters would be around a deal like that? Is it just as simple as swapping the compensation um, that's involved in? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like a, almost a sign and trade that you see in the NBA. Well, and, and you you don't you don't have to match the money because it's not the NBA, so right. you're just trading them straight up for one another, like help you help me type of thing. So, and it would be great. Let's just say, even if it doesn't happen in this, you know, tag and trade scenario, if you don't bring back Brian Burns, you would have more money to then try to go sign another wide receiver. Do you think losing Brian Burns at the expense of a way more talented wide receiver group than you had last year is worth it? And that's the question the Panthers have to answer. And if that is the case, then what you do is you create an even bigger hole at the edge rusher position here in Carolina because it's not good anyway, and that's with having one of the brighter, young edge rushers in the entire sport. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, you can look at it a couple of ways. I mean, do you want to get out in free agency and try to find two guys that could maybe equal what you got and surpass what you got from Brian Burns? I mean, there's a lot of different scenarios to be able to get this thing done because when you look at the top rated edge rushers on the market. I mean, Josh Allen, you'd be hard-pressed to believe that they're going to be able to uh, get him, especially with the type of money that might as well just paid Brian Burns. Yeah, but then you got guys, you know, Bryce Huff, Daniel Hunter, uh, Jonathan Grenard, Chase Young, Clowney Smith, uh, Zadarius Smith. So there's some good vets out there, too, that will be on the market that you could get maybe, uh, you know, on some bargains as far as to bring in to be on the opposite side of Brian Burns. Uh, now I'm not so sure. I mean, if you sign a, you know, a Josh Allen, you might as well sign Burns. I mean, that that would that would be an interesting conundrum if it came down to that scenario. If you had to pick one or the other, oh, but, but I, I'm that's not. Sky. I'm not. I'm not saying Josh yeah, yeah, Allen is. At, I'm not saying Burns is as good as Josh Allen. It's yeah. just okay. No, wait. Now you're trying to spend more money. No, you good. You good. Sure? Like it's just yeah, that's, for me, yeah. it would make much more sense to keep the guy that's here. Yeah, it's pie in the sky, like I was saying. But I think that, uh, like I said, I, I think Burns will be back here. And, you know, it looks like there's enough decent veteran pass rushes that they could go and perhaps bring in to help out on that line. Uh, but, yeah, they've got to be able to find somebody to uh, help him out. In honor of Brandon Miller continuing to go nuclear with the Charlotte Hornets mm-hmm. in his rookie season, Fire or Fizzle is coming up next, and it's the NBA Rookie of the Year conversation. Who are the candidates that are Fire? Who are the candidates that are Fizzle? Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Hornets are balling. Three in a row, first double-digit victory of the season. And because of that, Wes is going to give you not a Hornets-centric, but a little taste of the Charlotte Hornets during today's edition of Fire or Fizzle. NBA Rookie of the Year candidates. I don't know how many there are to choose from, but we came up with five because that's what we do in Fire or Fizzle. And the (laughs) one that leads us off is my guy, Scoot. Scoot Henderson, man. Not a great year. Playing better lately. Little injury prone. I don't think he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate, but it's not my segment. It's Wes's Scoot Henderson fire fizzle. Scoot Henderson wants the apple of Walker Mel's eye. He Mm. was the number three pick of the draft. And right now, currently, he's averaging around 13 points, five assists, shooting 37% from the field. From three? And 32% from three, man. I don't know how much he's going to have to harken back to those lessons with Steph Curry when he worked out with him before the draft. You remember that? Sure do. Scoot Henderson has recorded 15-plus points and five-plus assists, though, in eight games, which ranks tied for first among rookies this season, and he remains the only rookie in the NBA this season to record 20-plus points and 10-plus assists in a game. He has now done it twice. So when you're talking about rookie of the year candidates, Scoot Henderson, yeah, endorser of one ugly-ass Puma shoe. Oh, no. It is straight. Fizzle, he can't shoot, and it's continued uh, into his NBA career. Terrible. Terrible. That's tough. Hey, 32% is actually not that bad, though, for him. His rookie season, I'm fine. That's not not the worst in the world. I'm not wrong on Scoot. I'm just really wrong on Brandon. You're just just, wrong on him for now. I was just wrong. I was wrong on Brandon Miller. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Number two, Chad Holmgren. Now, this one's interesting. Fire Fizzle West. Chad Holmgren averaging... 17 points a game, 7.6 rebounds, or 8 if you want to round it up, and around 3 blocks per game, 2.6 to be exact. But he's shooting 54% from the field and 39% from 3. He set the Thunder rookie record for blocks in a game with 7 in a win over the Cleveland Cavaliers in Cleveland. He was named Western Conference Rookie of the Month on December 4th for games played in October-November, where he averaged 17.9 points, 7.8 boards, and 2.1 blocks during this span. He has five games with three blocks and three three-pointers this season, tied for the most by a rookie all time. You know the length of Chet Holmgren. He's one of those unicorns. We haven't seen a lot of players or any player like him. He looks to be a franchise cornerstone for the Thunder. And in this rookie of the year race, he is straight Chet is a bowler. He really, like, there's a shot that he wins it. I still think it's going to be Wimby. He's got a strong shot. I think it's going to come down to uh, him and Wimby. It went clearly Chet, and then Wimby just started going crazy again. It's like, oh, okay, Wimby's Mm going to get it. But Chet's Chet's a baller. Jaime Jaquez. Yes. 
He's heat. He's fire with the jersey that he wears. I tried to make that work. I don't think it's all that great. <laughs> Is he fire or fizzle, according to Wes Bryant? Jaime Hawkins averaging 12.9 points a game, 2.6 steals per game, shooting 49% from the field and 32% from three. He earned NBA Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for December, his second consecutive honor. After also winning it for the combined October and November, he scored in double figures in 13 straight games from November 20th to December 16th. The last Heat rookie to score in double figures in at least 13 consecutive games is Dwayne Wade at 15 from November 28, 2003 to December 29th of 2003. I'm a high kid, fresh out of L.A., out of UCLA to be exact, has come onto the scene and has been an absolute for the Miami Heat. And in this rookie of the year race headed by one Wes Bryant, he is straight. Fizzle ain't no heat getting no love over here, man. It's Hornets country. You know what I'm saying? I love it. That was my favorite fizzle (laughs) that you've ever given. Now, I wonder if with all of this fire, if you're going to be able to put out the flames with your tears. Because we got to talk about Victor Wembenyama. And he often makes you just a little sniffly, a little cry, a little whiny. It's okay, though. Wimby's balling with the Spurs, and we got Brandon Miller. Wimby, I know what's coming, but just go ahead and tell the people why he's fire, West. Victor Wimby, yeah. <laughs> I mean, tell me. Let me know the last time you've seen anything like this. The man is 7'5", and he's out there playing like a guard, a forward, and a center. He's doing it all. A.K.A. creator player. That should be his nickname. 20 points per game, 10 rebounds per game, 3.2 blocks per game. The man just recently had a damn triple-double with blocks in less than 30 minutes, 27, 14 boards, 10 blocks. No, that's not San Antonio High School. That's for the San Antonio Spurs. He's shooting 47% from the field, 32% from three. He is ranked in eight of the nine rookie categories, including the top spot for rookie scoring, blocks, and rebounds. His blocks per game leads the NBA as a rookie. I try to talk myself out of it every time I see the highlights, but it just doesn't work. I got to do it. It's all right, man. It's okay. Like uh, Hubert Davis, I just want to play basketball (laughs) with Wimby. (laughs) It's okay. But Victor Wimby Yama is straight fire. We've never seen anything like it. It hurts to lose Wimby. To be fair, given the lottery system, we didn't really have a shot despite the Hornets having the second overall pick. But with that second overall pick that the Hornets did get, they drafted Brandon Miller. And I'm glad they didn't listen to me for the time being because Brandon Miller has been balling. Wes, can Brandon Miller wipe away those tears just for a moment for you to give him a fire designation? Yeah, man, you know how I feel. And, you know, I thought that Victor Wendigama, that was just the end-all, be-all. And I thought Brandon Miller was going to be good, but I didn't think he could come close to making me forget about Victor Wendigama. But he's averaging 16.4 points per game, 2.3 assists, shooting 44% from the field and 39% from three. He's averaging 23 points and hitting 42% of his three-pointers so far this month. He scored 20-plus points in six straight games from January 29th to February 7th. As of February 14th, he's averaging 2.3 three-pointers per game, the most among rookies this season, and is on pace to set a new Hornets rookie record for threes per game, which is currently held by Jack Frost himself, a.k.a. LaMelo Ball, and I'm talking about the teeth and the jury on the sideline. That's why he's Jack Frost. Frosty. He's on pace to become the 11th qualified rookie in NBA history 
to record 15 points and two three-pointers per game. So, yes, Queen City, we may not have Wimby. We may not have Chet. We may not have those unicorns, but what you do have is one bad mofo in Brandon Miller. And for that, he is straight fire. Buzz, buzz, let's fly. Tell him, Wes. Cut the music off. That'll do it for Fire or Fizzle, NBA Rookie of the Year mm. candidates. We have one more hour to go. Time now for the Live Wire with J.D. Live Wire Connect. On the other side of the break, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNJD.